coming in as Loom. Hewitt-Dyke centered it. Another week is underway. Let's get this hour going with Aaron Vickers of NHL.com. It's Pat Steinberg along with you. Welcome to the Sports Drive, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. This Christmas, give the gift of security with smart locks and safes. Visit CalgaryLockandSafe.com. Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcast. That's where you can get us on Flamestock on the podcast feeder, of course, live right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hello, Vix. Patrick, how are we, buddy? We're doing well. We're coming at you from the Scotiabank Saddle Dome and the Hot Stove Lounge on this Monday, December 18th. Let's go inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. This hockey season, support local. Find your all-time classics and locally brewed beers. Visit your local Calgary Co-op wine, spirits, beer today. Well, 2024 is around the corner. The trade deadline now less than three months away. The Western Conference playoff picture is getting and will continue to get more clear. And I think we're going to hear a whole lot more uh, about Calgary's pending UFAs being linked solidly to other teams here. We've been talking Flames trade all season, but I think it's going to really pick up here as we move into the new calendar year. And we got we got some of that on Monday. Let's let's dive right in. How about Elias Lindholm and the Colorado Avalanche? People were buzzing about that as soon as the Avalanche traded away Tomas Tatar um, late last week. They traded Tatar to Seattle for a pick, cleared out some cap space, and immediately I saw multiple people on Twitter suggesting, does that mean Colorado is opening up cap space for player X or Y and a lot of people connected the dots look at the amount they freed up look at the amount they've got now on their cap are they opening up space to bring in Elias Lindholm and maybe not need the Flames to retain because they essentially opened up exactly the amount of cap space they need to bring in Elias Lindholm's cap hit the fit seems perfect from a salary cap standpoint, from a hockey standpoint, the fit at least from the proposed acquiring team, the 2022 Stanley Cup champion Colorado Avalanche, seems perfect. So it's been it's been being buzzed about now for, I don't know, four or five days. And then Elliot Friedman poured a little more fuel on that fire on Monday's 32 Thoughts. Uh, this on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon right now uh, if you want to go check out the entire conversation. But here's Elliot Friedman on the Avalanche and Elias Lindholm potentially. They made that Thomas Tatar trade. So and everybody is is saying, okay, what's the other shoe? And yeah. I think they need to wait because they've got some cap issues and roster issues, but there isn't a contender in the league who isn't trying to figure out what the Avalanche are up to. I know some people suspect Lindholm. Um, but they're not the only ones. But I know some people suspect that that's one of the guys that they're eyeing. 
So that's Elliot Friedman with a little uh, what? Uh, Elias Lindholm uh, linked to the Colorado Avalanche by Elliot Friedman right there. Now the roster and cap issues that Elliot is referring to, Gabe Landeskog is uh, back around the team. Uh, so that is interesting. Uh, our Terry Lekkinen is on LTIR as well. We don't expect Pavel Francouz to be coming back off of LTIR. Uh, he's done for the year. But they do have some things that they need to keep in mind. So maybe still salary retention is something that they'd be looking at. Um, but from a straight-up hockey fit standpoint, what do we think of that destination for Elias Lindholm? First, first on the Colorado side. What do we think of that fit? Because you take when I look at it, I'm like, well, that seems like a match made in heaven, the Avalanche and Elias Lindholm. That's being seven or eight years old and unwrapping your present on Christmas morning, and it's the bike you've been itching for for months. And that, like, there is no better landing spot for Elias Lindholm from an opposing team view, where suddenly you're rolling out a one-two punch down the middle of McKinnon and Elias Lindholm. And no disrespect to Ryan Johansson, who they brought in in the offseason. He's currently slotted as their number two center, 12 points in 31 games. So from a pure, what does the lineup look like adding Elias Lindholm to the mix? Colorado Avalanche, who already lead the Central Division right now, would be downright scary if their number two was Elias Lindholm. Like, we're talking about another deep cup run and it's going to put the Avalanche in a position. If they can make the numbers work, you mentioned some of the complications, but if they're able to add a player of Elias Lindholm's caliber, a center specifically of yeah. Elias Lindholm's caliber, they might just propel themselves to Stanley Cup favorites, to be perfectly well, honest. I'd be really interested to see how everything would then shake down because right now the Avalanche are rolling McKinnon, Colton, Johansson as their one, two, three punch down the riddle, uh, down the middle. rather. Do they look at Lindholm as a center? Probably. And now all of a sudden you're talking about McKinnon. Maybe you end up flexing Colton to the wing uh, because we've seen him play the wing many times before. Did so a lot in Tampa Bay. Maybe you're all, all of a sudden talking about McKinnon, Lindholm, and Johansson as your one, two, three. And now you've got another winger in Ross Colton. Maybe that allows them to keep Landeskog on LTIR until the playoffs and bring him back type conversation and, and do that thing that we see plenty of teams do um, do they look at Lindholm as a right-handed shot uh, and and as a right winger on their team which would be really interesting all of us can you imagine McKinnon with Rantanen and uh, and Lindholm or do you can you imagine Lindholm on the right side of Ross Colton I mean there, there'd be a lot of interesting things they could do I would I would imagine the avalanche would be leaning the former and looking at him as a center. Yeah. But I'm with you. I, I think that the the fit with the way Colorado plays and one of the things that I think they could absolutely use is a player who plays it like Lindholm. Yeah, I think it would be a ridiculous match made in heaven for him. Well, and keep in mind, Elias Lindholm would be on their power play. He'd be on their penalty kill. So while he's being their second line center as well, he's on both ends of special teams as well to give those a boost. It's just, you, you, you look at the Colorado Avalanche and if and when they get Lekkinen back and if and when they get Landeskog back this season, you're just going to add Elias Lindholm to that mix? Like that, suddenly your top six forwards are absolutely incredibly <laughs> insane deep and just absolutely built for, you know... They know what it takes to get to the top of the mountain. There's no doubt about that. And when you have the personnel they have at the disposal, if you're adding Lindholm to it and everybody's healthy, that forward core, that defense core, I mean, 
it, it would have to put them in in top three in terms of Stanley Cup favorites in my books, if not number one. And I mean, we don't know what Gabe Landeskog's right. situation is. Um, he's recovering from another knee surgery, and maybe and hasn't he played comes in back. a year and a half, two years. By the time he comes back, yeah. But I mean, if they did do the old Patrick Kane, Nikita Kucherov, uh, LTIR thing, would anybody be surprised? If all of a sudden their captain is back come the playoffs? Legally, of course, or by CBA guidelines. There's nothing There's nothing wrong with it. No. Zero, like there's... Uh, Same rules for 32 teams. Exactly. Anybody who is able to do it and willing to take on the extra money, uh, everybody's able to do it. So it wouldn't surprise me one bit if Colorado went down that road um, and then gives them just another piece of the puzzle to add to the equation well and then we haven't really talked about it yet because you the, Cal, uh, the Colorado Avalanche pardon me said at 4.825 million in cap space right now Lindholm's contract is 4.85 Calgary Flames will retain on some of that that gives the Colorado Avalanche more flexibility at the trade deadline to add another piece now we can talk about and I'm sure we'll get there but the acquisition cost or what you'd look for from Colorado but if you're the Avalanche and you manage to get a 50% retained Elias Lindholm, that still allows you to add a piece or two at the trade deadline. Just makes your team even yeah. better getting somebody so cheap that is, uh, I think, many consider to be a number one center or fringe number one center as your number two behind Nathan McKinnon. Colorado Avalanche fans should be all over Joe Sackick to get that done. And I mean, I... I... I don't imagine that uh, Elliot Friedman throws that out there without there being some right. sort of link and uh, some sort of um, realistic opportunity that could happen. So then, yeah, what what does that look like from a flame standpoint? Because I think, personally, another reason why I think this makes a ton of time, uh, a ton of sense, rather, is that even if it's a full-on rental, even if Sackick and the Avalanche aren't looking at retaining Lindholm beyond a playoff run, they'd be willing to pay, even more so if there's retention. But the Avalanche have their first-round picks for perpetuity. There's no first-round picks they don't own right now, which is crazy to think that they're as stacked a team as they are, and they still have their first-round picks going forward. They've got a couple of interesting young D prospects that I'm very interested in. Um, Jeremy Hansel's playing really well with uh, the Seattle Thunderbirds in the Western Hockey League, and uh, they've got Sean Behrens, who's a second-round pick back in 2021. He's playing at the University of Denver right now. So I think there's some interesting names they could target there on top of first-round picks. For those for those throwing the names out there, I do not believe Bowen Byram is in the conversation in any way, shape, or form. I don't think Devon Taves no. is in the conversation in any way, shape, or form. I, I think both Taves, uh, Taves, Byram, McCarr, McKinnon, Rantanen, names like those, those are guys that they're keeping because those are guys that Safe help bet. them be Stanley Cup contenders. They're looking to add without subtracting a core member themselves. That's why they'd be willing to give up first-round picks, second-round picks, and prospects, but not guys who are playing 20 to 25 minutes a night uh, in their top two pairs. So, no, Byram and Taves are, I would be, I would call them um, non-starters if I were um, 
discussing what it might look like. Do you think they could pry Taylor McCarr out of the Colorado Avalanche to make this happen? <laughs> Maybe. I, I, I say that in jest, but let's not forget the 2023 draft. Colorado drafted twice in the first round as well, and Cal Ritchie is a really Can you believe that forward. they just drafted twice in the yeah, first like, round? Yeah, like why aren't you burning one of those at the deadline? But Come on. Why? But you know what? Because Joe Sackick has yeah. a very, very clear plan in terms of how he wants to do things. Yeah, so names that should be on the radar. Cal Ritchie's one of them. <laughs> Mikhail Gulyayev as well. He's a defenseman playing out of Russia. Like The Colorado Avalanche, for their situation, they only drafted twice in 2022, a sixth and a seventh rounder. But they've got some sneaky quality prospects in their system that the Calgary Flames would probably be interested in, in, in grabbing in a trade that involves Elias Lindholm. So there's some, as you mentioned, they have... All their first-round picks yep. for the, the near future. And, they, they, and a lot of blue-chip prospects in their organization. Until they trade one away, they have all their first-round picks for the rest of time. So there you go. I mean, there's the assets to make something happen. I know we've talked about a couple fits for Elias Lindholm in the past in the summer and whatnot, and one of them being the Boston Bruins. Well, the Boston Bruins, from an asset standpoint, aren't in a very great position to bring in somebody like an Elias Lindholm or Noah Hannafin, in my books anyway. But you look at the Colorado Avalanche with a couple of blue chippers and another couple of prospects that you've mentioned, and, and the fact that they have all their first-round picks, there's something that could happen here. Like, from my perspective anyway, the Colorado Avalanche have the pieces to put together a very competitive offer they have the pieces, if and when he goes. They have the motivation. They have the, the wherewithal. They've got the sign-off from their ownership to chase another cup at whatever the cost. Yeah, Cal Ritchie's an interesting We haven't even talked to Oscar Olison yet, have we? Um, no, we have not mentioned him. Cal Ritchie's got 16 points in 13 games uh, with the OHL's Oshawa Generals as an 18-year-old. He was a point-per-game guy as a, uh, as a 17 and a 16. So... Jay Dale Foodie's got 36 points in 46 games with the Colorado Eagles, his second full pro season. There, there are some names that I would I would seriously take a look at if I'm the Calgary Flames and this discussion advances. You're getting a first-round pick, no questions asked. Yeah. Uh, a prospect, and maybe you can get another pick in there. I think Colorado's willing to play ball in that type of ballpark because they want to win another Stanley Cup, and... You only have so many shots at, at winning the, the, the stupid thing, right? And what, is this last year of uh, Nathan McKinnon on the best contract in the world? No, he's, uh, he's, he's year this one. Is his Sorry, first one this of is his year new one. one, I think. Yeah. Um, my, my bad. Um, that's right, because last year was their cup defense, and that was his last year. But you've got, you've got Ranton in only one more year at 925. We'll see what that ends up going up to. I don't know. I just, if you're Colorado, you're doing everything you can to win a Stanley Cup, you've got Taves money coming onto the uh, onto their next uh, onto their cap for next year. He's got a three million or so raise coming his way. If you're the you got a Bowen Byram deal that you're going to have to sign at some point, and that's going to be a big time add to the cap. the The window is now. The window is now for the Colorado Avalanche. They've won one. They want to win more. And they want to cement themselves and win as much as they can in this window. I think Elias Lindholm helps him do just that. I imagine when you get one and you get the on-ice celebration after you clinch and you get the parade and you get the <laughs> summer with the cup, you only want it more after that. Yeah. Like once you get a taste, you got to have the whole thing. You got to—that's just the appetizer. Cup one, cup two is the main course. Cup three is the dessert. Colorado Avalanche should be chasing this. As you mentioned, they've got the green light. Absolutely go for it. And do we think the ship has sailed on Lindholm resigning? I think 
from both sides, probably potentially yeah. that that's it the case. Feels because that way. if you're the Calgary Flames, do you want to go eight years at whatever the cost is going to be? Well, if think, you're looking at a I new think, direction, I think the ship is in the middle of the ocean for the contract that was yeah. on the table. Certainly, in the certainly the Calgary Flames aren't interested in in what was on the table before. And if I'm Elias Lindholm, I think I go to market and see what's out there, or you know. If you happen to get moved to a contender and you get a taste for that playoff push and, and some playoff, like if you're going to the Colorado Avalanche, for example, maybe there's a signage trade to be out there. Who knows? I, tough with Colorado's Tough with Colorado's situation. after this season, yes. But, but hey. I, I asked that question. I just want to play you this as well as the ship sailed. Uh, this was Saturday on our pregame show prior to the Flames and Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, Derek's one-on-one for our pregame show Saturday was with Elias Lindholm. And, and I'll, I'll just play you this because uh, Derek, Derek asked about kind of all of this stuff hanging over Elias Lindholm right now. It's been an interesting season for you, I'm sure. Um, there's been a lot of talk about the Flames pending unrestricted free agents. Has that been a weight that you've had to deal with, or have you been able to block out the noise and just focus on playing hockey? I mean, uh, uh, I mean, it's tough. I mean, uh, obviously, uh, I would like to stay, but, uh, you know, this is the reality, and, and you know, um, I'm not the only guy in the league where, with, with the expiring contract, so uh, we'll see how it goes. I'll take it day by day and try to help the team as much as possible while I'm here, and, and then we'll see what happens. So that's uh, Elias Lindholm. I, I thought that you know it was a little bit of a pause the hesitation, there. Um, which I, 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 is fair because he's probably thinking you about, exactly about how you're going to phrase wanna, it, want to craft it. But even when he says, "Do what I can while I'm here, and then see what happens," this I don't is know. the reality. It just it 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 feels like maybe the ship has sailed. I would suggest that right now, if I if if I were to do a power rankings of guys who are most likely get to, to get traded on the Flames between now and the trade deadline, Elias would be at the very top of that power rankings. They, he would be number one on the most likely to get traded power do rankings Do we want right to go now. through the entire ranking? We don't. Okay. I, don't have, I just know who would be at the very top. And we're, yeah. Elias, I can't disagree with that. And to me, like the potential return you could get, whether you're retaining or not, and I do think you should retain to try and maximize the value. Again, it's not my money that I'm spending currently, so there's a factor there. But he is kind of the one, especially if you're looking to go a little bit younger, he would be number one on my trade bait board, I guess, if you want to call it that as well. Uh, some text, 960-960. Matt and Cochran says, oh, God, not another Richie. Uh, this is uh, Callum Richie. Uh, <laughs> no relation, as far as I'm aware. From uh, the Oshawa Generals. Are you looking at it? Yeah, I'm looking it up prospects? as we speak. If uh, you could just stall for a couple seconds. Uh, this says, that sounds awesome. Flames could get a pick and a prospect and no salary retention, and I'm sold. Hell, even if they... I, and I'm not trying to, to fire back at this texture, but what do you care? What do I care? What does anybody care if they retain salary yeah. between if they get the return that is yes, and they have to retain salary? Who cares? It's Honestly, not, it's not your money. And, and I get it that you know if you're Craig Conroy, you probably want to add in an extra price to try and get salary retention. But say that they end up getting just that uh, a prospect, a first round pick, and then they get an extra sixth round pick to uh, to help with the salary retention. That's awesome, but like honestly, who cares about if they retain yeah. salary for the rest of the season? That that's got to be the least uh, the least important thing for sure. Try to try to leverage that as much as you can if you're Craig Conroy. But I, I guess all I'm saying is, I mean, 
salary retention is great, but still make the trade, even if you have to retain two mil or the whole the the whole max or whatever the case is. And to circle back, Cal Ritchie's brother is in fact Ethan Ritchie's brother, defenseman with the Maine Mariners. So no relation to the Ritchies that we know here in Calgary. Was that you attempting to do a... Just a little suspense. Okay. Just build it a little bit. Okay, I, just I don't check. think it worked, but... Uh, somebody suggested, uh, suggested Kovalenko. Uh, the only thing that uh, I would suggest there is that he's 24 and is still in the KHL. So that would be a little... Uh, he's a 2018 pick who's turned into a really good player over there. Uh, had 54 points in 56 games last year. Um, but 24 and still hasn't come over to North America is slightly worrying in the uh, current NHL, uh, rather uh, international transfer world. Um, this says, I like Cal Ritchie. That would be awesome to get him in a trade. Uh, this says uh, from Mike, the Avalanche would instantly become my second favorite team if Lindholm was traded there. Hard not to love the way they play. Then throw in McKinnon plus Calgary boy McCarr. Uh, this says... Again, that um, might be the Taylor McCarr, I'm guessing, as opposed to the Kale McCarr. No, he's talking imagine. about he's talking about Kale McCarr in terms Ooh. of the, the Avalanche. No, no, no. Oh, in terms of his Why favorite. Sorry, like my Avalanche. bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then this says, what about a bigger deal than just Lindholm? Uh, I think Byron's expendable out there. He's never going to be on the first power play with them having McCarr at Hannafin, maybe. Again, I don't think that Bowen Byram is all that expendable. The The... What yeah. he plays there, how he plays there, I, I really don't think he's expendable. I think he is a guy they look at as a 22-year-old core member, at least for the next season after this, until his new contract needs to be factored in. I think Byram's an untouchable between now and the end of next season. Just That's just my take. I Joe Sackick has not told me that um, to my face. That's just my read on the situation. And just from a broader perspective, I don't know if I want Lindholm and Hannafin in the same deal because I think you can maximize their returns putting them in two separate locations. Could be very well the case. Uh, with Vickers, I'm Steinberg. That's your look inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. Let's go local Calgary. From best from the West, Canadian produce to quality only Alberta meats. Find your local at Calgary Co-op. Shop online or in store today. You're locked on Flames Talk, only on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, it's a Monday, which means it's time for the future of the Flames, brought to you by Oncolytics Biotech, fighting cancer by unleashing the power of the immune system. To learn more about how they intend to empower cancer patients, visit Oncolytics Biotech. Dot com with Aaron Vickers of NHL.com. My name is Pat Steinberg, and it's time for our weekly chat with the head coach of the Calgary Wranglers, Trent Cull. Wranglers kicked off a five-game road trip over the weekend with uh, 3-0 and 5-2 losses against the San Jose Barracuda. Wranglers are now 16-6-2, and and they remain on top of the AHL's Pacific Division. We uh, catch up with Trent in uh, California right now. Appreciate the time, Coach. How are we doing on this Monday? Uh, doing fine, thanks. Just uh, in uh, Bakersfield right now, Bakersfield, California. So there you go. Yeah, and you've got a uh, game against the Condors on Wednesday. Uh, I'm just curious, Coach, uh, your your overall observations of the group from uh, from the weekend. What uh, what did you observe from behind the bench? Uh, <laughs> we uh, we you know what we were weren't very good on Friday night. Just to be flattered on us. Yeah, I didn't like our game. I didn't like our, uh, I guess, 
I didn't like how we started. I didn't like how we finished. And really nothing in between was very good either. And then, uh, But we still had a chance at the end involved in the game. Uh, still a 0-0 game or a one nothing game and then going into the end of the second period. And uh, penalties bit us, uh, took too many, and uh, they ended up getting off to a uh, uh, 3-1 lead at the start of the third, and then we couldn't uh, get ourselves back in. So, And then the next night, I thought we uh, we had all the opportunities in the world. We had two over uh, two minute five on three power plays, which is something I'd never seen before, and uh, and we didn't and we didn't uh, capitalize, and they did. So that kind of was the, the and I really liked our push in the third period. We started coming out, we started playing away like back to our normal game, and uh, you know a couple mistakes, they get another goal. We pushed, we got a goal of three two, you know, and uh, costly turnover, and all of a sudden it's four two, and we're chasing it after that. Coach, I think it's just the second time this season your group is has lost consecutive games in regulation. Just how how have you liked the the mood of the group? And and we know how how much this team doesn't like to lose. So just how have you you haven't had an opportunity to respond on the ice as of yet? But just the response from being around the group the last couple of days. No, we had a we had a good hard working practice yesterday, uh, just in the morning, and you know guys are working hard. I mean, I. I we had kind of a one-off on Friday night. It just wasn't uh, wasn't very good, and I thought, uh, you know, mentally we weren't as, as good as we needed to be, and, uh, and you know, a couple of costly penalties, as I said before. But and then, um, like I said, I think Saturday night was better, better effort, but we just didn't get the job done. So we all had our jobs to do, and uh, didn't get it done. So I think we're we're on the right path, I think. But uh, it's it's you know what, like we've talked about this before, uh, Pat, but. Uh, it's a great opportunity for some guys to take the kind of the bull by the horns. And, uh, you know, I think it's a great, uh, I guess you'd say with Calgary and the flames and the call-ups and the things that have happened here. Like, I think that everybody's kind of searching to see who that next call-up guy is and, uh, and then hoping that, you know, some of our players take advantage of that opportunity and then see that and just go out and have, have some great nights for us. Well, and, and kind of on that, that same note, I'm, I'm, I'm just curious for you and, and the way the season is, has gone. You've had some injuries. You've had the, the recalls with the Flames running into some injuries as well. And now you're getting two important players back. You get Dustin Wolf and you get Ilya Solovyov back. And I, d- Does it almost feel like from a coaching standpoint, you're like, oh, thank goodness, you know, some reinforcements coming back. Does, does it feel a little bit like that? Yeah, yeah, of course. You know, like uh... – like you say, it's great. It's it's been a great year. We we started really well. We like the way our team has been playing. We liked our individual play. But I think there was a point there a week or two ago that we had six guys that had played here that were playing for the Flames, you know. And so we're like, wow, you know, that's awesome, you know. And so and we know we understand that our our dynamic here has maybe changed a bit, but that's what we're talking about. Like, uh, boy, you, you really this is opportunity for other guys, right? So. And so we want our guys to kind of take take uh, hold of that. And then, uh, but yes, to, when you say that, hey, we're sending down two players, two pretty important pieces. I mean, everybody knows who Dustin Wolf is. Yeah, Solo is a big piece to, to our group down here. And just quietly, we're hoping to get Clark Bishop back here as well. He's on injury. He's a he. We miss him. You know, he's a he's a really good checking centerman who plays with speed. And uh, you know, it's you know, it's always we're trying to fill holes with whoever it is, or maybe guys that aren't really natural centermen or whatever. But that's the name of the game in the AHL. But uh, if we can get these three guys playing for us on this road trip, I'll, I'd be ecstatic. 
Well, and, and so, yeah, I guess you, you mix in getting Wolf and Solovyov back with you. You got Brett Sutter back over the weekend, and then you throw in Clark Bishop. That'd be, that'd be a lot at the same time. So fingers crossed on that front then for you. And I, I'm just you, – you mentioned how big Solovyov is for you and what he does on, on your back. Can you just give us a, a little bit more of a, of a feel of what getting a guy like Ilya back can do on your back end? Yeah, you know what? I mean, he's uh, what he does really well uh, at our level is that first pass, and sometimes just the reading of the uh, other team's forecheck. He's a big, strong guy, so he can hold a guy off, and like I call it a little shimmy shake. He can get get rid of that forecheck, or even have him hanging off him, and still make that play, which is hugely important. You know that that transition out of our D zone that leads to you know through the neutral zone and the O zone. That's really imperative for us, and and stuff that I know Solo does. He does, you know, and when he does that well. It's great, and that's and then the other thing that me and him have talked about since day one, like uh, in our relationship here, is just about I call it a killing place. And uh, so he goes, and he's a big, strong guy, and it's getting through uh, opposition's hands or finishing them off. And I say physically, but not like big checks, but stopping the other team's momentum. And when you stop a guy in the corner and you can absorb the puck, or you stop the puck from moving around, that's when we can set up our defense. That's when we can get the puck back, and that's when we can break it out. And those are the things that I think that. I see him, and he does those really well for us. We are chatting with Trent Cull, head coach of the Calgary Wranglers, joins us Mondays here on Flames Talk. It's Pat Steinberg and Aaron Vickers along with you on this Monday, Vix. Coach, I want to ask you about Connor Murphy, who got his first start on Saturday. How did you feel he did in his AHL debut as a starter? Yeah, he was fine. I thought Connor was, you know, it was, it was good for him. To get, I think I've said this to you guys before, but uh, as it Every day he's been around us, and every day he's been in practice. Like he's improved from the start of the year to now, and so there's a confidence that you get when you watch a guy in practice. And I've watched him a lot over the last week, uh, thinking that this might be an opportunity for him to get a chance. Right, so um, he came in, he, he he gave us a chance. I mean, and uh, I think it was a good first game for him. And you know, unfortunately, we didn't. Uh, kind of one of those things that boils down that they capitalized on their chances, and, and we did. So. How do you feel his comfort level has improved from seeing him back into Penticton to now? And how does the first taste of AHL action help him regardless of result? Just, uh, I just think that the, the pace, the level that he's around here from where he was in Penticton to when we've, even when he came in, the train can't be first sent him down. Um, and, and then I, I'm not saying anything different about Rapid City or whatever, but like, the pace of our practice and how we play as opposed to, you know, in the East Coast League, it's mm-hmm. the pace is obviously faster. And for him to be able to catch up to that and, and get the now game experience of that, that's great. Like, it's it's a great learning tool. Like, uh, no one's expecting, you know, him to jump Murph to jump in and all of a sudden he's going to be, you know, Dustin Wolf. You know, like, he's got he's to have to work his way through it be part of those starts, be part of the action. I think it's really, really good for him in the sense of him moving forward and knowing the areas that he can improve upon when it's an after-game experience. And I want to ask you about Mark Pissick, who you've had for four games now. What have you liked in his game that you've seen so far? Just a solid puck mover. Um, good, and he, everything's flat. Uh, his, uh, what would you say, I guess, whether it's, 
what do you want to talk about technique or efficiency? Like he has that. Like he's not. Uh, it's not wobbly passes. It's not things that are you know maybe he snaps pucks and he puts it on the tape and he puts it there with authority. So and he's a good skating defenseman who it has been great for us in the sense of. Uh, it's nice to have another right shot and a group of D there as well. So, and we've, we've been short on those a lot. So I think he's a guy who's played a little bit this year, uh, I think in Wilkesbury, and now he's having a chance to play regularly. I think it would be good for him. Like, I think usually what happens with guys like that, it's almost like they need a good 10-game run in a row or a good month to get themselves up and operating, and, and hopefully it just keeps getting better and better for Mark. But he's been a great addition for us. Yeah, you kind of touched on it, but you expect kind of a little bit of an adjustment period with him. He didn't play it all last season, and now he's on his second AHL team this year. Yeah, you know what? I've had past experience with guys like that who have big injuries, you know, and usually it's almost like when they come back in and they start playing from the start of the year till Christmas, it almost takes them that long just to kind of get up and running, and usually those guys get even better and better in January, February. Just a few more with uh, Trent Cull, the head coach of the Calgary Wranglers. Appreciate the time, as always, Coach. Uh, one one last guy I wanted to ask you about, uh, and and it's a guy that we haven't spoken about yet this year, um, and, and he's one of the players on your team just getting uh, acclimated to playing pro hockey all the time, and that's Lucas Siona. He's got 21 games under his belt now in the AHL this season. Tell us about Lucas and, and uh, the process for him and how it's coming along this year. Yeah, I think every uh, young guy who comes in, like everybody can adjust. Uh, their adjustment rate is different. You know, and I think for Lucas, the, the pace of the game is, is something that he's catching up with. I think that's both mentally and, and, and with his feet as well. So I think those are things that if he, the, the more and more experience he gets, the more comfortable he'll become. And, uh, and I think I've said this to you guys before. I've had a lot of experience with guys in the past, too. Like sometimes the first year of the American Hockey League, there's more games played here. It's, it's more rapid that they're coming at you. There's more travel. There's more you know, planes, trains, and automobiles that are happening. So that first year is a lot for yep. some guys. And it's just a lot about just catching up and ga- gaining experience every day. And I know sometimes from the outside, we always want huge games and big goals. And big, uh, and, and sometimes it just takes guys longer than others. And I think this is one of those guys that's going to, he's just going to have to day by day, keep getting experience, keep moving along, keep moving in the right direction, whether it be, you know, probably not huge increases, but small ones as we move along. Um, how how have you uh, how have you used him this year? What's kind of been the role for Siona? Uh, five on five mainly. I mean, we we sprinkled him in on power play at net front. Um, started him out at uh, PK at the start of the year and didn't didn't think that that, that may be the right uh, role for him right now. So um, so, but that's mainly he's been deployed at five on five, and then he's a big guy who, who has a decent stick. So we've had him at net front a little bit on the power play too. Okay. Um, just last uh, last question for you, Coach. You've got uh, Bakersfield where you are right now. You've got them on Wednesday and then two with Colorado on Friday and Saturday. Just what's uh, what's going to be important for your, your group as you wrap up this trip with uh, three more games, three games in four nights? Uh, just being honest with you, we, we've been struggling to score some goals at the five-on-five, five, and we've been struggling on our power play. So we've been struggling to score some goals, really. So that's going to be our thing. And we've we've talked that uh, our lineup is different. We know that. But there's opportunity there uh, for our guys to find a way to, to kind of date ourselves out of this. And 
And you know what? It's it's you have to check. You have to really work hard in this league to get that puck. And when you do get that puck, then you try to you know want to be creative and try to uh, use our assets when we have them to try to create some offense. And that's something we got to do a little bit better job of. And that's the focus here over the next. 48 hours at Bakersfield, and hopefully we can get that on a roll, and then hopefully a couple more games. We know we're going to have a difficult opponent uh, here and, and in Colorado. They're, they're a fast team as well, so it's it's going to be. We'll have our hands full here, and uh, hopefully we can finish it off the right way before Christmas starts. Well, Coach, uh, we, this is our last chance to chat with you uh, before Christmas. Uh, obviously, uh, we won't chat with you in a week's time. We'll uh, let you celebrate Christmas next Monday. So uh, we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. So uh, just just thought I'd say Merry, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. Uh, thanks for uh, all the time so far this season. Uh, we've really appreciated it. And good luck on the rest of this road trip before you come home, hey? Well, thank you, guys. I appreciate it. And thank you for giving me Christmas off. You guys are unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> He's no, just doing it so he doesn't have to work. Guys. Yeah. I uh, appreciate right, it, man. Coach. Well, Merry <laughs> you guys as well, man. Okay. Uh, good luck the rest of the trip. Thanks so much, Coach. That is uh, Trent Cull, the head coach of the Calgary Wranglers. Joins us every Monday. If you notice, I haven't asked him about his next opponents uh, since he uh, since he since he. <laughs> Yeah. Well, Pat, we just got back. He's Uh, like, you know, you ask me this every week. I just finished wrapping up this. Uh, This week I could have because he's got the game coming up on Wednesday. I could have, but I'm like, no, you know what? I told him I wouldn't. Your little holiday present for him. Exactly. We gave him Christmas Day off, and I didn't ask him that. Uh, Appreciate it, as always. Trent Cull is the head coach of the Calgary Wranglers. That's the future of the Flames. Brought to you by Oncolytics Biotech. Fighting cancer by unleashing the power of the immune system. To learn more about how they use a patient's immune system to battle cancer, visit oncolyticsbiotech.com. And, you know, the point about, look, it's interesting because I think right now you're talking about a Flames team at the NHL level that that wants to give younger players an opportunity. But I also think that you're talking about uh, a management group that is letting the coaches play who they want to play. Like it's the the old Brad Tree Living line was coaches coach, managers manage. And I think that's exactly what we're seeing from Craig Conroy right now is that um, you've got Dustin Wolf and and, uh, Ilya Solovyov who came up. They got some games in, but... Solovyov a healthy scratch the last couple of games, and Dustin Wolf hasn't gotten in the last couple of games. So it's okay if they're not going to play at the NHL level. That's fine. We want to make sure that we get them back playing as soon as possible at the American League level. We saw it with Matt Coronado. We're seeing it here with Solovyov yep. and um, and with with Wolf and. Betcha Dustin's in net Wednesday in Baco against the Condors, and Solovyov will be back in that lineup as well. Best for Slovyov to play 20, 21, 22 minutes a night at the AHL level as opposed to being a healthy scratch here. And same for Dustin Wolf. If he's not going to be a starter at the NHL level, if you're not going to be working him in regularly, and with Calgary Flames with Markstrom now healthy and Vladar, you get him back down to the AHL and you have him making starts for the Wranglers. It's just as simple as that. We know we know what Dustin Wolf is, and and I think that the Flames have a pretty good idea what Wolf Wolf is yep. as well. Uh, we're going to be seeing lots of Dustin Wolf Absolutely. down the road, um, and uh, Solovyov. 
I think we'll see him back up at the NHL level again between now and the end of the season. In fact, I can almost guarantee it, barring injury, that we'll, once the trade deadline and some of these trade decisions are made for the Flames, Solovyov will be one of the first guys that comes back up. Um, so we'll see him again at the NHL level. But for, a play, for both guys, sitting at the highest level versus playing at the American League level, Flames believe it's an easy choice, and uh, the, the latter is the one that they're going to go with. Absolutely, and if the plan happens to change or there's something that you want to see out of either of them or someone else, they're just a recall away. It's not like they're parked in Stockton anymore. Having the home team and the AHL team in the same city just makes it that much easier to do whatever your plan is. He is Aaron Vickers on Twitter at AA Vickers. My name is Pat Steinberg. Thanks to Taylor and Cam, our producers, this hour as well. This hour wraps up, and it's been the Sports Drive, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. This Christmas, give the gift of security with smart locks and safes. Visit calgarylockandsafe.com.